Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics, the only podcast where two brothers talk about a thing they like, and that thing is comic books. I'm one of your hosts and uh, one of those brothers and a kind of comedian, Kevin Hines. And I'm the other uh, host, comic book liker, uh, kind of comedian, Will Hines. And uh, we are in the stretch run, the final few episodes of our talking about abuse. Busick at a season talking about Busick, uh, Kurt Busick, the comic book writer. Yeah, um, we're going to go over Superman's secret identity today. Kevin, are you excited? I am. I think this is uh, one of his best works. Uh, before we do that, let's just remind our listeners about our giveaway. Um, our partners at Shortboxed uh, have a giveaway where you can win a free copy of Astro City Number no. One, written by Mr. Kurt Busick. Drawn really by Mr. Brent Anderson with mm-hmm. a cover by Mr. Alex Ross. Yeah, and this is rated 9.6. Shortbox is a company that is a place where you can buy and sell graded comic books. If you are into that sort of thing, they are a good place to do it. We are fans of them. And uh, yeah, they sponsor giveaways on our behalf. And this is one. You go to shortboxed.com slash screw it. Enter your email address. It's free, and you'll be in the running to win a copy of Astro City number one. And we're looking to get 10 people at least to enter. That is my That's goal. Right. That's right. Will has a uh, an alarm in his bedroom that will go off mm-hmm. when the 10th person signs up. It has not gone off yet, Will? Hasn't gone off yet. I'm also not sure if it works. Uh, yeah, I you, just, made it, you made it yourself. <laughs> I made it myself, and I sort of just cast a spell on it. Mm-hmm. saying that once 10 people had entered that it should go off but you know we'll see i mean that seems like a thing that's going to work yeah i think so i was yeah. holding a copy of a harry potter book when i when i did it <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> yeah you got to read that book sometime oh yeah i've heard it's great um so yeah so please enter that go to shortbox.com screw it enter the contest you'll get a, a coupon for how much which I forget, ten or fifteen dollars. <laughs> ten or fifteen dollars off, uh, which you can uh, uh, choose to use and shortbox if there's something you want to buy. Um, but you don't have to use that. You don't have to buy anything. It's a free contest. So do that, ten of you, and maybe you know after ten more, maybe more. So, um, Kevin, secret identity. So what are the what are the basic vitals here? Like it came out in two thousand four, I think. Uh, the collection came out in 2004. I don't know when the initial issues I'll find came out. out. I'll find out. Tell me, tell me about uh, your they personal They probably came out in 1931. Yeah, that seems like a fair guess. Eight years before the debut of Action Comics number one. Yeah. Um, this is by Kurt Busiek. It's drawn by Stuart Immenen. Uh, Immenen uh, and it is a, a story about uh, a boy named Clark Kent. Mm-hmm who lives in like basically our world where comic books are real. So he knows about Superman, but there isn't a real Superman. There aren't superheroes. Um, But his parents named him Clark Kent kind of as an awful joke. Yeah. And uh, when he uh, becomes a teenager, he wakes up one morning and has the powers of Superman. That's right. Uh, This did come out in 2004. Wow. Good for, good for Curtin Stewart, man. They, Getting that all out in one year, that's pretty impressive to me, getting it collected <laughs> right away. Uh, this, I, I I don't know how this sold necessarily. I think it sold pretty well, but this is is, is one of the books that uh, critically, I think, was his, one of his bigger successes. 
maybe only shy of Astro City and Marvels, I would guess. Okay. Um, though I don't think it's as well known as like Thunderbolters run on Avengers or things like that. And it should be, man. This thing is just really good. It's a uh, it's one of those things DC Comics is really good at, which is a a complete story that you can just hand somebody and they can read this and it's beginning, middle and end all right there. And you don't need to worry about what came before or what comes after. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, DC has a ton of those. Marvel has very few of those. Yeah, that's it. You're right. I never thought about that, but that is more of a DC thing. Like year one, Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen. Those are DC books. Yeah. Marvel's is one of the few things Marvel has. And even that's a, you know, looking back at it's more fun if you know some of the stories beforehand. Sure, but I mean, I also think like Dark Knight Returns in year one are a little better if you know a little bit about Batman and stuff like that. Right, that's um, true. I think it's as self-contained as those stories, at least. But yeah, but like those stories, I think it is like a great package, a great evergreen title that is like always good and always great to hand off to someone. And Marvel has a few other ones like that, but nothing. DC just has tons of them. Yeah, that's and so this is one of them. Now, um, I read this today for the first time, and I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. And so first, let me, let's just get this timetable right. So you woke up this morning, you learned to read. Yeah, and that was so much harder than I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought I was going to breeze through that. You know, I like downloaded, um, you know, the app uh, that had something that looked like the shape of what I knew to be the letter A. Yeah. And, um, you know, tried to read, but it was uh, it was the Atlantic Monthly at first. And then I also got American Airlines. It took me a long time just to get something that teaches you the alphabet. Sure. Yeah, it's tough. I ended up just downloading Sesame Street and just watching a lot of Sesame Street. Cool. And that worked? No. Then I, I went <laughs> out and I had to hire a tutor and like to, you know, de- in here in Los Feliz in my neighborhood in Los Angeles, try to find someone who could teach it to me. God, I got someone who was pretty good and I learned how to read before too. That's good. And then you started reading this comic. No, then I went and I, um, I wanted to practice reading, so I read uh, the first chapters of Moby Dick, Great Expectations, Scarlet Letter, and To the Lighthouse. Okay, and uh, how were they? Kind of boring. Okay, great. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I picked up Bridget Jones' Diary. Couldn't put it down. Couldn't put it down. That's a, tore through it. It was very page funny. turner. Loved it. Um, then I started Gone Girl. Um, <laughs> wow, interesting. Another one I couldn't put down. Yeah. Um, and then I, uh, then I started Superman's Secret Identity and I just finished it seconds ago. Um, that's a busy day, really, when you think about it, when you put mm-hmm. all those things together like that. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that should be a movie. I don't think so. No? Okay. Um, so you just read this today. What'd you think, Well, I loved it. I thought it was so sweet and pretty. I, ha- I do have things I want to discuss with you and sort of like thoughts I have about it. But uh, I, I mean, my first just short short headline synopsis is it was just really beautiful and kind of soothing. It was like very gentle and like nice in a way, like it was comforting somehow. Yeah. And definitely for the, we've had some listeners who have said this, like where like things like dark Knight and Frank Miller books that we reviewed for a while this year were so violent and too much for some people. Right. This is not that this is the antidote to that. If anything, this is nothing like those books. Yeah. It was really, it's really lovely. Um, before I get more into just sort of my thoughts on why it works, um, t- tell me, tell me why why you like it if you can, Kevin. What do you think it is that makes it work for you? Um, I mean, it's a fun hook, right? What if you woke up tomorrow with Superman's powers in this world? What would happen? That's a fun hook. 
Um, and, you know, you don't need to like imagine a world where Superman doesn't exist as a concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can just, it layers right on top of this world. So that's a fun hook. But even beyond that, like I remember reading this uh, as issues as it came out. I remember reading the first issue and being like, oh, that was really good. And then sort of being like, I, I can see where this is going. And then I didn't really know at all. Like each each volume, each issue, each chapter um, really just went in interesting ways. I was just constantly surprised. And even though there's like not a lot of like action, not a lot of superhero fisticuffs. Right. Uh, uh, it it reads like there is. It just reads really quick and really fun. Um, and I don't know. I read a lot of superhero stuff. So it's cool when you can read a superhero book that kind of isn't as well. And it's it's also a book, and this is something Kurt is really good about, but like needs to be Superman. Like this wouldn't work if it was a Superman and if it was somebody who woke up with Superman-like powers. I agree. In, in a world without, like Superman is part of this story. Yeah, I think the first thing that I would say, I totally agree. Like, and and more about that, how it has to be Superman is like, um, you know, the, one of the ways that Superman is different from all the other heroes is he is like, hope and goodness like his decency like there just isn't a there isn't like vengeance or uh, hatred in superman although there are stories and sometimes moments where the character goes through those feelings he's the guy who saves you because it's the right thing to do because he's the good farm boy from kansas yeah however he started when, when like you boiled him down to his essence whenever he hit his like peak this is who superman is that's what he became he became like good like even Captain America, who is also kind of that for Marvel, mm-hmm. isn't really because like there's he's tied up with war and yeah, symbolism. Exactly. He's um, the, he's part of the machine, whether he wants to be or not. He was born of war. He he is a little bit like we're going to come take out Hitler. Yeah. I mean, he is a big thing about hope and belief and, and, yes, and, yeah, and a better side. That's a huge part of Captain America. But there's a, a, an angle to him that loses that. You know, he works with S.H.I.E.L.D., which is a spy agency. And Superman is like the best of us. Superman is the big daddy we wish we had, you know, like the, yeah. the, the big brother of the Earth looking out for who's good at heart. I mean, if someone woke up with Superman's powers, you want him to be Superman. You want him to be. There's not a better outcome. Yeah, he is the absolute best person to acquire those powers. There, there have been many stories about what if an evil person or even a corruptible person yeah. has Superman's powers. I mean, Homelander and the Boys is an example of that. Sure. Uh, Brightburn, the movie that um, James Gunn's brother did or whatever. Yeah. Was was one of those. Um, There's another and, big one. And oh, even uh, like, go. Mar- Marvel Man, or sorry, Miracle Man uh, in its third, um, like, season the comic book that has kid miracle man is evil and like just murders everybody in london in four hours or something horrible yeah and definitely like the idea of superman being evil is portrayed in things like batman versus superman to some extent as well as things like injustice the video game it's it's like it's like a trope to be like let's turn superman evil and see what that story is um but at his heart that's only interesting because he's not evil He's not evil. And what's really interesting about the Superman myth and the story um, is we we can believe it. We can believe that there would be such a person who would behave this way. There, there is like a ring of truth to it in our minds, however primally. 
we could believe in a Superman. We accept it in a strange way. Like I, you know, I'm, I am often when I think about comic books, just awestruck at the success of Superman, just like as a story, you know, thinking about like Jerry Siegel in like 1939 coming up with the, or whenever he did 1938, 1939 coming up with the idea. I, I think it was 2008. If I remember correctly, I think that sounds right. Uh, and he and his buddy, Joe Schuster draw it up and, you know, mm-hmm. it was a hit right away. And, and Steve Ditko. And Steve Ditko, co-creator of Superman. Um, and, you know, it's its reach is crazy. Like, it's not hard yeah. to imagine kids in the middle of China right now knowing who Superman is, you know, or the yeah. upper reaches of Siberia. Like, I doubt they're up on the latest Moon Knight TV series, but they know Superman, right? And there's there's something that's just mythic. Oh, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Feig just texted me. He's mad at you. Oh gosh, I've been talking so hard about, not about to hurt his feelings. Yeah. I forgot he's what, got our he did, microphone he just, tapped. He just texted me and said, Why didn't you like Moon Knight more? Tell, text him and say he could talk to me directly. You know, I'm right here. He's mad. He's mad. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's also Superman is one of those things where, like, I mean, superheroes are so pervasive and, and have had so many big peaks that it's like they would have existed even if Superman wasn't created. Something would have. Yeah, happened. I mean, you could argue um, that they did before, right? Like the Phantom already existed, and maybe the Shadow yeah, and stuff like but that. But like superheroes, powers, and like mm-hmm, this sort mm-hmm. of bigger than life myths. But at the same time, like there's something about how Superman formed first and perfectly, and, and and like even like the things about him that were probably not that well thought out became so important to him, like that he doesn't wear a mask, right? Right. Like that became such a big thing that you look at this guy. It's like, I can trust this guy. He's not, he's not even wearing a domino mask over his eyes. Yes. Yes. And I can't imagine they put a ton of thought into that decision, but uh, yeah, I, it I is agree. A hundred percent right decision. Yeah. The story of like Superman's creation is one of these things where a kid who was a, a, a good writer for some reason was inspired and made every correct decision that you could make on a story yeah even the name of the planet being krypton is so perfect red sun yellow sun yeah i mean some of that daily some of that and some of that came later right and it wasn't all in the first issue like daily planet i don't think was in the first issue wasn't the first issue oh well like perry white and and things like kryptonite came later let me confirm that maybe i'm wrong on that certain things were in the first issue but uh, there was a lot of things that sort of came up later just like with batman where like people built to it um but it 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 is it is just amazing how like those things stick so well how great lois lane is and how great the hammond being a reporter is how great it is that he grew up in kansas and moved to a big city like all those things just feel so cool and so perfect that i wouldn't want anyone to ever change them at all and they were all there they're all in superman yeah lois lane is in the first story but um i don't think the daily planet is um but so and a lot of people will talk about the shortcomings of superman as a character especially when you compare him to more sort of complicated and nuanced ones like batman or spider-man or something like that Uh, you know sorry just got a text from uh kevin feig he wants you to mention moon knight here okay moon knight is also a more complicated and nuanced character than superman Oh, um smiley emoji just texted me a smiley emoji. he's so volatile i'm really worried about him you know his mood swings are big <laughs> yeah, he no. should be worried about he knows he knows our listenership size right he's aware of 
I mean, he's one of them. I, I hope he enters the short box contest. <laughs> I hope he enters. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of talk about Superman's shortcomings, but like there is just something eternally appealing about him also that nobody else has. Like, mm-hmm. who else do you fantasize about saving the world? I mean, this is so corny to mention, but like, and it feels crazy, but like on 9-11, when we lived in New York, and the plane hit the second building. I can't believe I'm bringing up 9 11. I remember thinking, like, I wish there was Superman. Like, I wish yeah. there was a guy. I mean, I consciously was like, I wish there was somebody good and powerful who could come in and just fix this because it's yeah. broken forever now. And like, I sort of understood that maybe how Superman appeared in 1939 was the world was like entering World War II, you know, like the desire for somebody strong and good. And like, that's, that's a primal need. Superman's yeah. it. I mean, it's uh, it, it's that sort of interesting thing too, right? Like, we don't like trust the government. We don't not trust anyone who's powerful. We're like, ah, they're going to abuse this power. But you kind of wish you didn't have to, right? Like, you kind of wish you could be like, every president wants to make the world a better place. That's yeah. their primary goal. And I don't think it's any of their goals. Right, right. I think they all think they're making it a better place. How's your um, QAnon magazine going? Um. I mean, it's not doing great. Not a okay. lot of leadership, not a lot of readership, too many, so, um, too many drawings. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's just, I, but like, we kind of wish, like, yes, it'd but be, it'd wish be there so was somebody nicer. powerful that we could trust. Yeah. It's just, it'd be so, you'd be so much happier if you were just like, Oh, good. The co- Congress and the Senate have this under control, you know, or the United Nations will take care of all our problems. Uh, that'd be nice. And if Superman flew overhead, we'd probably be terrified, right? If there was somebody sure. who was that powerful. But if you could look up at him and go, oh, thank God he's around. I, yes. I mean, it's religion, right? It's why people believe in God. It's like, yeah, oh, you want- they want to believe in somebody so powerful that is good. Yeah, that's on your side. Yeah. So the, the reason I want to bring that up is in relation to this story, Kevin, is that you were saying it has to be Superman. I totally agree. I also think, one of the reasons why this story works is it's not just a kid, like you say, who wakes up with Superman's powers. He wakes up with his powers in a world where there are Superman comics. Right. And Superman merchandise. Like he's there isn't a it's a world where there are no superheroes, our world, yeah. but the idea of superheroes exist and the idea of Superman exists. That is an idea, a story that everybody in this world knows. And then then he becomes. Yeah, I said this. This person. And so that's, um, I guess it's like, it's something about the power of stories. Like, it's almost like the world will powers it into being true. I know that there are scientific reasons given for this phenomenon within the logic of the story. But I think the reason why it's fun is like, yeah, in a world, it's almost like we, I'm waiting for Superman to be born in our world. Like, it feels like it should happen. Part of me is waiting for it to happen. And it's, this isn't like somebody got Superman's powers and like had fun with them. I mean, he does have fun with them, but it, it it's like, he doesn't just wake up Superman's powers. He just like wakes up and he is Superman. He's also like good, like Superman. Yeah. And he's super, a good kid. and he's competent. And he's like, he, like if I had his powers, I would have not used them well. Oh, me. Even if man. I tried to, I would have like messed up constantly. And he just like, he's got it under control. And they're like, that's also part of the fun. It's just like, he is Superman. He doesn't wake up just with the powers. He wakes up and he is that guy. Yes. Uh, I should say also, we're going to talk about this. We're going to spoil everything about it. So if this sounds interesting to you and you want to read it unspoiled, 
I think go buy it and read it and and listen to this podcast later. Yeah, it's because I don't want to I don't want to talk about it in a way that doesn't ruin it for people. It's relatively short and and a fun, easy, good read. So you know, we of course recommend most of the things that we cover. Yeah, with great enthusiasm. But I do think this is a special one, and it would be worth stopping this podcast and reading it. I just think like people who listen to our episodes about Thunderbolts probably read Thunderbolts or chose not to read Thunderbolts, but knew about them. Right. And same thing mm-hmm. with Avengers and, and even Marvel's um, maybe not untold tales of Spider-Man, but I bet even that where this one, I think there's a chance that people are listening to this and go, Oh yeah, I, I either didn't read this or forgot about it. Um, and so I just want to say that here, you know, you should, you should read this, but I mean, we'll spoil it. I think it's still good. Even if you know what's going to happen. So, you know, live your life the way you want to <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, yeah. You really backed off that at the end there. Yeah. You know what? Listen to our podcast. Don't <laughs> keep listening. Let us spoil it. We deserve the right to ruin this for you. So he wakes up. I mean, he is basically the kind of good person that you would mm-hmm. want to be Superman. Um, we would screw up those powers, but he doesn't. He's pretty smart about it. Yeah. He's pragmatic and he's good and he doesn't abuse them. And he kind of has a little Spider-Man-y moment where he considers using them to get material success to protect his family. Not in an evil way, but just like yeah. cashing in. Right. And then decides that it's not worth it. Yeah. And there's a lot of little fun things in this story. Um, uh, how do you want to do this? Do you want to talk about it issue by issue or just kind of overall? Should we recap what happens in it? What do you want to do? Well, let's go issue by issue. There's only four of them. So I think that'll break up our discussion. Yeah, nicely. What order should we go in? I guess the order that they were published, the order of the actual story. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I know it's, it's weird. So the first book is called Smallville, right? Yes. And it's about his childhood without powers, having the name Clark Kent being made fun of kind of being annoyed by the concept of Superman waking up one day and having the powers and sort of exploring that and making the decision, flirting with the idea of telling people, but then ultimately deciding, no, this is my secret. Nobody can know. Yeah. That's like the arc of the issue. He, He doesn't tell his parents um he tries to tell a reporter at one point or he talks to a reporter about it seeing if that reporter would help him figure out like how did this how happen? he got these powers what it means um but the reporter basically he can't trust the reporter the reporter tries to like film him and that was one of his stipulations is no pictures no no recordings because he doesn't want to be caught he doesn't want anyone to know who he is because he's worried rightfully so that the government will come after him which does happen um, and, uh, he wants to tell like the girl he likes a little bit, but he doesn't, um, he doesn't get the girl at all. Um, and like, but then he starts using his powers to like save people. Yeah. And, um, he's betrayed by the reporter. The reporter seems to mm-hmm. orchestrate a hugely dangerous event to almost like trap him into saving the people so she can find him. Right. And that's so she can be reveal Famous. the story and have the story back because she sort of has, you know, promised the story to people because she was starting to get it. And then she sort of blew it. So she's trying to get the story back. Um, but, you know, she kills people to try to get him. And and that is bad. She is bad. Yes. She's a bad person. Now, let me ask you something about this issue. I, I did read it a little bit quickly. I tried to fully absorb it, but so I might've missed this, but at one point he's saving the, he is saving his love interest in this, mm-hmm. in this like, um, disaster that the reporter creates, the explosion at the um, Superman fair or whatever it is. Um, you know, his love interest, Cassie, his high school crush, 
is like yeah. trapped under a beam. He gets there, lifts up the beam. She says, oh my gosh, you, it's Clark. You're him. But then he like loses his powers and the beam. No. Okay. So this what is what even why I texted you. I was like, I want you to read this slowly. Cause I think sometimes the, the downside to this podcast is uh, one or both of us will read something very quickly beforehand. And then we miss things. Um, no, he realizes everyone sees him and he decides he doesn't want. Oh, so you think- he's, think- he's thinking about revealing his identity earlier. Uh, uh, yeah, right yeah, before this happens right uh, and then while it's happening he kind of realizes he doesn't want people to know he doesn't want okay the fame that comes with it so while everyone is staring at him he wedges the beam into the ground so it looks like he just sort of levered it up Mm-mm-mm. and then he pretends to like it's getting heavy i can't hold it any longer it falls okay. on him okay um and so everyone's like oh yeah Clark Kent is in Superman. Yeah. Uh, we were fooled. He just got knocked down by this thing. We could see that it was wedged in the ground. There's some people that still believe there is Superman, but nobody now thinks he is. Right. Like, and he's fooled them into thinking. And also, he doesn't want that reporter to be right. He doesn't want to reward her for what happened. But mainly, he decides he doesn't want this. He doesn't want that version of being Superman. And that's kind of how the first chapter ends. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting to me that this story works. It definitely works, but like there's no bad guy. There's lots of moments of humanity. It's like you say, like he doesn't get the high school crush. She dates no. the quarterback and they stay together, right? Like he never gets his Lana Lang. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, we don't see them again after chapter one, but um, he doesn't he doesn't end up with her. No, no question. So. And um, his parents are good and stay good. He's he stays good right throughout these issues. Yeah. There's there's no real betrayal from the Clark Kent character. No, uh, this is just him growing up with these powers and, and and following that. And like each story, like Curtis again, great about this. Each story has its arc. Like this is kind of like, what do I do with these powers? Should I keep it a secret? In the end, he decides yes, yes. Um, the second chapter. Should we move on to that chapter? Yeah, yeah. Is a uh, called Metropolis, mm-hmm. and it's- after the Fritz Lang movie Metropolis. And it's a hard shift into a silent movie after the style of that movie Metropolis, where there's like automatons and yeah. like a big mother robot looming over everybody. It doesn't really follow. Oh, see, this is why you can't rush through these comics. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I think this part was confusing. <laughs> um, yeah. So the next one, he has moved into the big city um, as a reporter. No, as a writer. As a writer. Yeah, he's writing for the uh, New Yorker. Yes. Or, or, yeah, the New Yorker. Uh, a, a, the a New magazine, Yorker. at any rate. Um, the New Yorker. And uh, he gets set up on a date with a Lois as like a joke. Right. Not Lois Lane, but Lois something. uh, A Lois who kind of has dark hair, dark, long, straight hair. Yeah. uh, Wears like a brown reporter's trench coat and like kind of has gives off a Lois vibe. Uh, And they're set up on a date because everyone thinks it's funny if Clark Kent dates Lois. But then they do fall in love and start to date. Yeah, it's funny how like as the or I don't know, funny is the right word, but it's like amusing or pleasing, I guess. That's sort of what it's pleasing that as the story goes on, he does just become more and more like Clark Kent and Superman. Yeah, it's it's also one of those fun, It's it reminds me of improv well. I don't know if you've ever done improv comedy. Not into it. Um, but one of those rules of improv that I kind of like, it's like, um, yeah, it doesn't really make sense that he would end up with someone named Lois or he wouldn't like just, you know, have a pen name that isn't Clark Kent. Right, right. It doesn't uh, make or sense. Just, uh, none of that makes sense, but it's also way more fun if his name is Clark Kent and he marries Lois. 
Like yeah. that's the fun choice. And this comic like finds reasons why the fun choice would happen so that we can have those fun things, even though there's some logical reasons you wouldn't want to do that, but it's like, or maybe you want him to do it, you know? Yeah. You want it to happen. He also wears a Superman costume when he's doing good. Like he doesn't have to do that. He could have some other way of disguising his identity than dressing up like the thing that he is. Yeah. But it's way more fun that he dresses up as Superman because that costume is just awesome. Yes. So, um, the the arc of chapter two is should he tell Lois his secret? Yeah, he falls he, in love, and should he tell the woman he loves his secret? Right, because it's different not telling. And and here I love this about it too, because I always think that about secret identities, where it's like, oh, you know, should Peter Parker tell Betty Brant he's Spider Man? It's like I don't know how long have they been dating. <laughs> it's sort of like yeah, there's this. It's like oh yeah, you're lying to her, and I get that that's bad, but you're not telling anyone this thing. It's a huge deal. Puts a lot of and pressure I, on that person. And I think about like relationships I've been in and it, it's like, oh, if I had like a huge secret, would have I told everyone I dated? No, but some of them maybe, maybe not just my wife, like, but like, it has to be a like thing where you're like, oh, this, this person is different. And when would you have told Kat, your wife? Uh, that I'm Superman? Yeah. Probably later tonight. <laughs> so just about now, <laughs> just you now. have a child who's uh, just uh-huh. about six and you're- yeah. <laughs> yeah i'll wake her up after she goes to sleep and say you don't want to tell her during the day you don't want to tell no, her no, when no. she's awake wake up wake up i'm superman <laughs> go back to sleep <laughs> just gonna have um, a lot of questions about some manual labor things you didn't do just like <laughs> <laughs> i mean she's not gonna believe me I, I, or fully wake up for that conversation i suspect <laughs> um yeah i don't know it, it's like there's something about that that it, there is a difference between who you tell and when you tell them and like the idea of wanting to marry someone, it's like, well, they got to know. This person yeah. is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. It's crazy that I haven't told them yet. It immediately becomes too, it's, I've waited too long, um, but you got to tell them. So yeah, so he has to, that weighs on him and he kind of goes back and forth on it. And when he's thinking about telling her, he gets captured by the government. Oh, right. Yeah. The first time that they really get a hint, they've been kind of tracking him for a while You've seen that in the background. Yeah, it's been just in the background of the stories. And now they get him. They have some like electrical device that shocks him. And he wakes up in sort of a, you know, sensory deprivation tank, the kind of thing you normally see in Star Wars medical bays or the movie Altered States. And we get some clues over like what's how he got his powers and things like that. We never really know for sure what's going on. But we get a couple clues here and a couple clues near the end. Uh, Like we hear that like he's like the 12th one that they found. Yeah. Something about a meteor strike is yes. mentioned. And he's the most powerful one. Yeah, but it's all sort of like in this haze of him kind of fading in and out of consciousness. So we don't really know what's right. He sees bodies lying around. But it's heavily implied that he is the result of some sort of government testing program. And they are out checking the results. Or, or, or something that, happened that they know about and they're seeing what it. happened because of it. Yeah. Uh, and it's very nefarious and sort of evil government sort of vibes. And he breaks out of that facility. And it's after that that he tells Lois. Right. Yeah. And when he first breaks out of that, he doesn't tell her at first because he's like, well, my life is in danger. I can't tell her. I can't put her in danger. Um, but then after a little bit, he's like, I just also can't not tell her. Right. And so he does. He tells her and uh, she takes it, I think, very well. Um. Yes. Uh, I think so. Um, 
what yeah. it, should we go to the third chapter? I think we should take a break. Oh yeah, breaks. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Kevin. I'm here with my brother, Will, and we are the hosts of Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics, our weekly podcast about comic books. And we want to hear from you. We have a slew of social media accounts, a slew. You can email us at screwitcomics at gmail.com or see us on Instagram at screwitcomics or tweet at us at screwitcomics. So tell us what you think of the comics you like or the comics you don't or things we've talked about on our episodes. Or send us some life advice. You can tell that we need it. Yes. Uh, We might read your message on a future episode of our show. So thanks. In advance from Screw It, we're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. We're back. Uh, And before we get into third chapter, let's talk a little bit about the art, Will. Yeah. um, It's pretty bad. It's pretty amateurish. (laughs) Um, No, uh, it's beautiful, uh, I think, at least. What did you think of it? Uh, Really, really great. Uh, It kind of has like a painted sort of dreamy feel to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's on the simpler side. Stuart um, Emmerman is a really interesting artist. He's drawn a lot of great stuff. He did a run on Spider-Man. He did this comic called next wave. He did this, um, and his art, I mean, it, it's always, you always recognize as his style, but there's a pretty wide range. He's not, he's not somebody who's all his stuff looks kind of the same. He kind of like, uh, invents, not invents is not the right word, but sort of like draws to the project. Uh, and he does that here too. And it's just so beautiful, this book. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really, it's really great. Um, I, I'm always, I feel like I maybe I throw artists into either the simple, clean bucket or the complicated, busy bucket. I mean, that's a dumb way to do it, but this mm-hmm. falls in the sort of simple, beautiful art. Yeah. There's style. like, there's Mazzuchelli and there's Miller. Yeah. Um, and this is closer to Mazzuchelli. Yeah, it's closer to Mazzuchelli, right. So um, let's do issue three. Sure. And issue three is basically him resolving the conflict with the government. Like they're after him, they're getting more, they're getting better and better at tracking him down, more powerful, and he's like, something has to give here. Well, he finds out also that Lois is pregnant. Right, so the stakes are higher. So now he really can't be captured or removed. He doesn't want to be captured. He doesn't want to children to be captured he doesn't want them to be hunting them their whole life so he needs to do some he's trying to figure out some way to stop them from trying to chase him down and i think this was really interesting too kind of how it was uh it wasn't easy but it also wasn't impossible right it was a very nice level of difficulty to this like he they've been setting these traps the way they first caught him was like the fake accident that he like swooped in on to save some people and got captured so mm-hmm. he's gotten very good at avoiding those. Like he can sort of sense like, oh yeah, this is not a real boat crash or this is not a real earthquake. I'll just stay away from it. So he kind of falls into one of their traps. Um, On purpose to sort of like communicate with them. Right. And he, then he like tries to talk to somebody and he's like, look, I'm tired of you chasing me. I'll help you guys out if you stop chasing me. But then they keep attacking him. So he flies away. Yeah. Right. Um, And he points out what's true. He's like, you're just scared of what I could do. But like, I, you know, take a look at my record. I haven't done anything. Right. You have no reason to be scared of me. But yeah, that's not Uh, good enough for them. And so then he like sort of like plays like pranks for a little bit, like just kind of swoops around and does little things 
to show what he's capable of, what he could do, but they're all sort of very innocent because he's innocent. He's not going, he's not actually doing anything dangerous. Uh, and with that, he gives like a message to be, to meeting this one agent that he's met to talk to him again. And the agent takes him up on it and they talk about it and they come to sort of a, a tentative agreement that he will help the government out and they will not chase him. And like throughout the next two issues, like there's moments where it seems like they're still chasing him a little bit and trying to figure him out a little bit, but they kind of give up real fast on it. They'll try a little bit and then they'll back off. Um, and the stuff he's helping them with, sometimes it's stuff he's very happy to help them with. And sometimes it's stuff he's like, that's a little sketchy. It's still mostly good stuff, but he's like, yeah, it's a little more too political or something. Yeah. Like the first thing they have him do is like kind of stop this terrorist group, but they like, the timing of it, it helps the president's election chances. Right. And he's like, well, why didn't we do this a few weeks ago? It's the right thing to do. It's the wrong time to do it. But what am I not going to save people? And it does make keep, them happy. Yeah. It keeps them off his back. Right. So they kind of reach a balance there. Yeah. Uh, it's a little watchman slash dark nighty but not totally in that like yeah the government tries to use him for their political and military gain but they probably know that he won't do certain things so they kind of they kind of use him as they think they can right like if they used him to like assassinate somebody well he's not going to do that and then you probably can't get him to help you anymore right and so he establishes a friendship with this guy malloy who used to be sort of in charge of the team chasing him and they sort of establish a working relationship yeah uh, and that's sort of what this whole issue is about it's really fun to watch that play out um you know and also like it deals with you know kurt is a father so but it like also deals with like becoming a father and the, and the anxiety of that amplified by the fact that you know the government is chasing you and you're worried your kids might have superpowers so i didn't t- i didn't ask you this yeah if you had superpowers would you tell me um i don't know let's say you got your superpowers when you were 30 Okay. Not so. So okay. interesting. I feel like I, I, I maybe, I, I don't know. Um, I feel like I would, but I don't think it's a hundred percent that I would. What if your powers were just to make your hands like five times as big? And that's <laughs> all. I guess I'd probably tell everybody <laughs> what well, that seems kind of worthless. If I, don't, I don't, uh, you can't bust it out at parties or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the point of having that? <laughs> Would you tell me if you had powers? Never. Ouch. <laughs> I don't know. I'd probably I'd probably tell everybody. <laughs> I wouldn't want to deal that's with why you, that's why you didn't get powers. You'd you'd be playing <laughs> for the Lakers and people are like, man, this guy should never have powers. <laughs> He's abusing it. Wow, my laser eyes are great at three point shots or whatever. <laughs> I just need to use the ability to fly more in basketball. He uses his laser vision more. I find that issue of the X-Men where Professor X is like shooting baskets once he can walk again. And I'm like, this was my inspiration, man. Once I saw this, I knew what I wanted to be. Um, so I, here's my question. Uh, and, you know, once again, like this, this chapter, the one where he, you know, works it out with the government and ends up with kind of a peaceful, amicable working relationship with the U.S. government via this guy, Malloy. Yeah, it's kind of a happy ending slash compromise, right? Like yeah. the government gets a little of what they want. Clark Kent gets a lot of what he wants and they're happy, right? There's no like defeat. The government wasn't like defeated. This guy Malloy's not defeated. Clark Kent doesn't suffer anything major no. really at all. There's no 
there everybody kind of wins. It, it's that's just not usually the kind of story that's satisfying. Usually that's the sign of a weak story. It's not though. I mean, of a weak comic book or a adventure story, action story, I would agree. Yeah. But I, but like I think there are good stories that are about this, right? Like that are just sort of like relationship stories. It's more of like a, a rom com or um or you know even a rom yeah, I I know what you're thinking but like even rom-com stuff goes wrong they split up they have the big fight you know and they got to get back together there's barely even that in these stories like everything works most of the time mm -hmm. that that i just think yes yeah. i think there is a world for that i think uh, um early seasons of gilmore girls was this for me uh, uh mm -hmm. and things mm -hmm. like that there are shows like that and i think there is a a place for them i think ted lasso is sort of this uh, yeah i mean there's a little the bit less season. of it less so as it goes on but like there's an aspect of that show where it's just like he's good and everything works out for him because you want it to, but it's still yeah. like enjoyable. Yes. Parks and Rec was also very much that a mold of like Ted Lasso. There were villains, but like everything. Ted, the first season of Ted Lasso, he's he is defrosting layers of cynicism mm -hmm. of this soccer organization. Yeah, but I think it just it works very quickly. It it does. It's like but, episode three and like the evil boss is sort of taken by him. She takes, she takes longer, but I mean, I know what you mean. Um, I think there's, I guess, I guess it's like, I don't know, a fantasy. It's, it's almost like a yeah. what if story, just like what if Superman was in the real world, but stuff worked out. You know, yeah, there's some, I mean, there are some compromises and some stuff that's not as glamorous or glorious as the comics. But but I think that's also part of what Superman is like. Right. Superman. It works for Superman. Superman. Mm -hmm. It's one of the complaints a lot of Superman fans have with Man of Steel, where he kills Zod. And some people like that movie, I know. But the complaint is like he would have found a way out of that problem. Yeah, that's his whole deal. Like he wouldn't have gotten in. It's like they put him in a situation where you had to kill him to win. It's like, no, Superman doesn't get in that situation. Right. Uh, he doesn't get in a sit like uh, a building is falling down. It's like, how am I going to save everybody before this building hits the ground? He's, he just does. He's yeah. Superman. Yeah. Um, if anyone's going to figure a way out of this, it's him. And so the same thing sort of happens here. Like this guy is so good. Like that's what I sort of meant. Like he doesn't just get the powers. He is gets the competency. He gets everything, the goodness and the competency, the decency. And like, he can, he's going to, he's going to find a way that works. Um, He still has anxieties and worries and concerns, but it all, yeah, but he's, he's, he's more than capable of it. I forget what chapter three is called. I remember four. Is chapter three tomorrow. is fortress fortress. Okay. Yeah. And he builds this house and he has like a tunnel uh, to like, a, like it's all this stuff about like how he's hiding from the government. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. And then we get to chapter, chapter four, four, which is called tomorrow. Yeah. And now he's, his kids are grown up. It's a big jump. It's like 20 it's a big years. Jump, and he's, he's an old man. His powers 18. are starting to fade in intensity. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's also like little interesting things, maybe even before that, right. Where we kind of learn about his powers. There's all these like little interesting details. Like he finds out, like, oh, yeah, well, I can cut my hair, right? And yeah. I don't need, like, to use my heat vision to do that like Superman does. Like, there's certain things about, and, like, he he doesn't have to worry about, like, hearing everything that happens. He hears the things he wants to hear and doesn't hear the other things without, like, much effort. There's, like, a magic to his powers where it works. 
the way you'd want to do. Like he finds out that he can give blood very easily, which makes yeah. no sense. Right. You're bulletproof. You shouldn't be able to give blood. Yeah. There should be something up with your blood also, but that's no problem. Yeah. So like he can do that stuff very easily. Um, and so that's also interesting. But so, yeah, so here he is, he's getting older and how his powers are fading and he doesn't know really why, because he doesn't really know why he got the powers. Superman had his powers forever. Like, shouldn't he have his powers forever? No, I guess not. Um, and also, like, the government isn't using him as much. Yeah, um, he's, he. it's really, it's like a metaphor for loss of relevancy. Like, he's just yeah. starting to see his time passing by. Yeah, there's, like, moments where he's like, hey, I saw this on the news. Like, yeah, we handled it. Uh, and there's also, impl it's implied that maybe they have other superheroes now. Yeah. But we don't really see them for most of the story. Right. Uh, and he's trying to, there's some talk about like what he wanted to know if his kids were going to have superpowers, but it doesn't seem like they do. And then eventually he realizes that they do have powers. His two daughters, his twin daughters have powers, but they haven't told him and his and Lois. Yeah. That's an interesting section. And he and Lois are, they're very strongly suspected, but they choose not to investigate it and just let them decide if they want to tell him. Yeah. Or her. Which they eventually do. Yeah. Um, and that's nice. It sort of starts looking like the Captain, the Marvel family. Mm -hmm. um, and they're also good with their powers. They're like good people. Neither of them did, did the wrong things with them. They are heroes of their own uh, uh, regard. Um, yeah, they have kids, and then at least one of their kids also has powers. Yeah, eventually. And then you sort of see that there are more superheroes in the world. Like, whatever it is that the government did Observed. or discovered, it is starting to spread, and there are more superpowers and technology sort of advances. So, like, this last issue is, like, the most not our world. Right. The first three issues are pretty much our world, but this guy has Superman's powers. And then the rest is, like, whatever caused that has changed this world. Now it is its own world. Um, and that's an interesting world, too. It's probably my least favorite aspect of this book, but uh, it's the right way to end this book. It makes it easy. Like, if if he was the only one, then he can never retire. Like, they're never going to leave him alone. Right. The government would track him down and try to, like, make another one of him. Yeah. But if they don't need to do that, they can just let him retire. Yeah, so they do. Um, and it's kind of just like a man looking back on his life and being like, it was a good life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And his daughters have powers and um, his grandson, Perry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, he doesn't have a, doesn't he have a son, grandson Clark as well. Yes. Um, yeah. It's fun and it's beautiful as well. There's a few panels that are drawn in like Superman in the animated series style for some reason. Yeah. Uh, that I think is just fun. Uh, like there's basically a page where it sort of like transitions to a number of Superman art styles. Yeah. Ending with the animated series. Um, and that's just a really fun nod to like the different eras of Superman. Um, um, and then it's just sort of done. Like, I mean, this is a complete story. It ends with him sort of retired. He, it starts with him getting his powers and it ends with him sort of retiring from being Superman. And that's a thing like real Superman will never get partially because he's a fictional character, but even like when they write future stories, like he's, he's sort of like lives forever and always has his powers and is always doing the right thing until he dies. Yeah. That's so nice that this Superman gets to retire. 
It's, it's what he um, deserves. Yeah. I mean, um, it's very much a story that is perfect for Kurt Busiek. It's like, well, a more human and real world look at an icon and playing around with some of the fun consequences of what it would be like for these powers to exist in a more realistic world. Um, you know, a nostalgia fest that's filtered through modern normalcy. That's, that's very Busick, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, reverence for the character, just a love and a joy. That's very Busick. It is um, something that feels fan service about it. It's way better than that. Uh, just in like, well, what if Superman, let's just have a happy Superman story. Just a, just a pure, simple, happy one. You know, let's feel let's feel good. This is a, this is a feel good story. But also, I think Superman is a feel good character. So I think in a way, by taking him out of the DC universe, you can really tap into the pureness of Superman. Yeah. Like when he's in the DC universe, there's an aspect of like, well, there's got to be a huge event and there's got to be battles and there's got to be all these other characters in the Justice League and an Injustice League and blah, blah, blah. But if you take all that away, then Superman can just be what he really is deep down, which is this good, happy, right character. And he gets to be all those things in this world. Yeah. Uh, It's good. And uh, people should read it. Uh, What's your favorite moment, Kev? I think we should bring back favorite moments (laughs) Okay, for one episode. Uh, I think we should do it every episode. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I uh, hadn't thought about it. Um, uh, you go first if you've got one already. Let me think for a second. Okay, I'll say my favorite moment is when his two daughters show up wearing capes and they're in the sky all hanging out together, talking about when did he first start to realize it and how long have they had it. And it's this sweet little reunion of him with his kids. Not reunion because he wasn't separate, but like, you know, now fully learning about them. The drawing of it was nice. The The moment of him realizing he was right is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my favorite moment is maybe, and I don't know exactly when it happened. There's a moment where I think when he first meets Lois and yeah, uh, realizes he likes her a lot and that he like flies home afterwards. Yeah. That's a really beautiful page where he's just so happy and he like flies over his buildings into a circle. And like the caption is something like, if I sound like I'm a smitten, a, or, smitten or yeah, whatever I am, it's because yeah. I am. Yeah. This page, this sort of four panel page. Reflect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's mostly just a drawing of buildings. Yeah. But I, I really love but there's it. There's a streak in the sky above it. at Superman mm-hmm. flying around. Another funny, another kind of nice moment is when he first gets his powers and he's just flying and he's got a big smile on his face. That's yeah. kind of a really nice moment. Um, Kind of another nice moment is maybe when Malloy is retiring and Superman's like, maybe I will get him that bottle of scotch. Just <laughs> right. I mean, talking about this, like almost being everyone is everyone is good that we see in the story. Malloy sort of reveals that he was not involved with the time he got captured. That was not Malloy, but it was before Malloy's time. Yeah. Sort of watching him is like there's a bit that Clark talks about. Like he's like, I don't fully trust Malloy because of at one the time I was, I was captured, captured by these yeah. guys and there was bodies and I don't know what they're up to. And he's sort of like, I wasn't involved with that. And I'm sorry that happened to you. And it's like, I choose to believe, say he's being truthful there. And it's very nice. 
that like, oh, good. Malloy is a good guy, too. And it's almost like that's too bad. They could have been better friends. Yeah. Um, so that and was- I sort of imagine they are. I sort of imagine they keep in touch. Yeah. Like two retired cops. Um, there is a spiritual sequel to this book called Batman Creature of the Night. Okay. That Kurt wrote and it was drawn by John Paul Leon, who passed away recently. And it is uh, uh, darker, obviously. It's about Batman. It's a similar idea. It's uh, uh, a Bruce Wayne-ish. His name is not Bruce Wayne, but a Bruce Wayne-ish kid whose parents die. And he sort of becomes the power of Batman. I'm speaking okay. of this vaguely because it's it's different than Superman. He doesn't become he doesn't dress up as Batman and become Batman, but Batman kind of um, is willed into existence in the same sort of way. It does not exist in the Superman secret identity world; it's its own world. Mm-hmm. But it's the same sort of thing of a Batman in a real world where Batman is a known concept, but be, Batman is a darker concept. So when you unleash a real Batman into our world, it is a darker thing. Okay, and it is I think. Equally great. I think some people think it is not as good. I think like because the Superman story is so sweet and wonderful, and the Batman story is dark. But I think it is equally great, just in a very different way. Okay. And I think people should read that as well. I am intrigued. Um, I mean, Kurt is uh, good. He's good. Uh, I mean, no qualification. He is good. He's great. I mean, he's one of the all-time greats. There's no doubt about it. Um, His highlights do seem to nostalgia uh picking and choosing from past continuities in a nice seamless way and written with the enthusiasm of a fan i mean there there are some common elements of a great music story sure i mean in the same way that like alan now, moore, don't mean it as a put down right alan moore likes to deconstruct and tear bodies. it apart yeah. And, yeah. and not just our bodies but like the ideas right 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 he likes to take it apart and see what makes the story tick yeah. And lay it bare in front of the reader, like, or Kurt's like, no, this just works. I don't need to tear it apart. Uh, I, I mean, writers all have their sort of vibe that is true to yeah. them. And yeah. yeah. Um, I'm glad I read it. We are going to cover Astro City next week. Well, we're going to cover in depth the nearness of you, but we'll probably talk about some of the early stories as well. I'm going to try to read as much, reread as much of the first batch of issues as I can. Okay. Um, so that not, we, we should we should at least read issue one since we're giving it away through short boxed. Okay, yeah, I'll reread issue one at least, and I'll read um, and I reread it recently, but I will reread Nearness of You. Yeah, I'll also uh, I've read Nearness of You a handful of times every few years, so yeah. I will read it again. I just got the Metro book of that, so it's a big collection of like the first twenty issues. It's a sweet, sweet uh, trade of things that I already had in trade and single issues. <laughs> but, I'm excited uh, to talk about Astro City. Yeah. Uh, do we have any emails we want to go over? Sure. We we got I don't know how much what time are we at? Always long, but let's do it. Give me a second to pull it up. You can talk about our email address. Uh, if you want to email us, you can email us at screwitcomics at gmail. We also have an Instagram account, screwitcomics. Love for you guys to follow this Instagram account. Uh, really good shots of the stuff we talk about. Um, Kevin has just puts good work into it and I, and I love it. And if you like this podcast, you will like that Instagram account, screw it comics. If you're a big completist for all things, screw it comics. We also have uh, two other Instagram accounts, screw it recent where Kevin will just post things 
about whatever he's reading recently. And then we got a screw it Spidey back from our first season. And we, and we still throw Spider-Man stuff on there too. We got a Twitter screw it comics also. There you go. Uh, okay. So we got an email here from uh, Joe Sergio. Uh, what is this one? Okay. This is uh, uh, it's it, the subject is keep mutants separate. Um, it is not as, this almost feels like an anti-mutant screed from that subject, yes. but it's but it's not. Um, Brothers Hines, as the introduction of mutants into the MCU approaches closer by the day, I feel I must ask why the mutants are even in the Marvel Universe. They don't belong and should simply have their own universe, both in comics and cinema. There are two points which I cannot and will not get past. Uh, number one, per Marvel fandom, mutations are caused by the X gene in the mutant's DNA. A simple enough explanation for a mutant having heightened senses or enhanced agility and strength, but am I to believe the only difference between me and my eyes being the portal gateway to an alternate dimension of pure energy is simply something that can be obtained through a CRISPR lab I can find on Instagram? That I could simply DM a biohacker lab and ask them to control whether it create instant clones of myself, or I could ask for the Franklin Richards special so that I could create my own pocket universe? Bah! Mutants have no place in the Marvel Universe as you can't give ultimate power and call it a gene mutation when we're living in an age where gene therapy exists. And number two, an aspect of the mutant canon is being ostracized by regular humans. Uh, there have been anti-mutant protests and legislations passed to treat mutants as non-citizens, a terrible thing. Good, I'm glad he said that. Uh, however, uh, are we to just sit here and read that regular Joes hate a guy born with bird wings or a strong guy, but with such vitriol that they cast them out of society, yet everyone is okay with the guy setting himself on fire and flying around? I've tried repeatedly to rant at my wife about how mutants should just have their own universe, and she doesn't seem to care. <laughs> since, you, since you're the only non-panty-wasted podcast willing to go there, what say you? How can we be complicit in allowing mutants in the Marvel Universe? Thank you, Joe. Yeah, uh, I think his second point is better than his first one. The first one, like complaining about like the gene justification, yeah. that you know, all superhero quote-unquote explanations are insane. So yeah, that, like, that, that first point may mostly, mostly sounds like you shouldn't have mutants at all. Yeah, you're just arguing against having mutants at all. So we just kind of have to, you mm -hmm. know, not think too much about the causes of these powers because they're just they just kind of show up. But the second one is a better point, like the persecuting mutants in a world where you have accepted the Fantastic Four is strange. Like it is strange. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to like the Avengers and not like the X-Men. Like, how would you even know as a guy in the street that one person was born with powers and one person wasn't? And there wouldn't really be a difference to you on the street. I don't know. So like everyone would just say like, no, I wasn't born this way. I got it through a lab. Act. Everyone would just say that. There also, there also was just like um, a problem of clutter. Like there are just so many characters in the Marvel Universe that like sectioning it off in the mcu would be kind of nice like it would sort of yeah. be nice if mcu prime was the avengers basically and then spidey the spider verse was its own little collection and then the mutant verse was its own like you, you that could work pretty well yeah i mean and also there's so many different x-men that you're not really limiting yourself you could still have like solo stories about all these characters with specific powers and team stories because they've got it all you could do a rogue solo story and a Wolverine solo story and still have the X-Men, which are basically your Avengers. Yeah, I mean, it works. They work cleaner. I mean, as I've said on this podcast a few times, I've become, as I get older, I become more and more 
Uh, I want all my superheroes separate. I don't want them in a connected universe. I like think Captain America works better as a solo character, even. Yeah. Um, even though the Avengers is so much fun. Uh, I think I've said this too, but like, I think there'd be, if I made comics and this would sell worse, I would have like a Captain America solo book where there's no other superheroes, just Captain America, a Spider-Man solo book where there's just Spider-Man, no other characters, but I'd still have like an Avengers book with Captain America and Iron Man. It's just, it would be just be earth too, basically. It's like in this world, they all exist. Yeah. But what, but what would happen is like just one of those would sell and they'd cancel the other ones and then everything would be in the same universe. But that's how I would love it. Um, yeah, it's, you know, one thing that's interesting that the MCU is starting to do, I haven't still haven't watched Ms. Marvel, I got to watch it, but like in the Ms. Marvel comics, like they basically sort of create Jersey City as its own little world, like technically, mm-hmm. yes, it is a part of the world with the Avengers and the X-Men, and there are lots of crossovers and guest appearances, but it's kind of feels like a villain who's in Jersey city is only going to have to deal with Ms. Marvel and Ms. Marvel only has to deal with the villains in Jersey city in a way that's kind of nice. Like, yeah, you don't have to worry about what's going on in Manhattan. I mean, it's nice when I read the, I'm reading my son, the old Ditko Stanley Spider-Man comics, by the way, Will, on, I just read them last night, man on a rampage. How'd it go? Uh, he loved it. Ooh, he's, got, um, he's coming up on the big one. He, he was excited about that one for a while because he looked at all the covers. He kept saying, Dad, when do we get to Man on a Rampage? <laughs> um, uh, and he got a little sad when Aunt May got sick. It affected him. Yeah. Um, and I was like, this could happen to me and your mom any moment. <laughs> you said too, that. And, you, and you're too weak to save us, I said. Um, no, I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, reading those comics, it's really nice because there's like, there are guest stars, of course. Human Torch shows up a few times. But most of the time, it's like, this is just a problem that Spider-Man has to deal with because there's nobody else really for him to call. Yeah. Uh, and the universe doesn't, the universe feels still big and empty, even though there's a number of characters in it, as opposed to now when I read a Spider-Man comic and it just feels cluttered with heroes. I mean, even by the time we were reading in the eighties and yeah. Marvel universe has grown a lot since then, you kind of either were like an FF Avengers person or a mutants person Mm-hmm. You know, like you couldn't read it all. I mean, I know people did, but like it was very, it was very common to just have your own little section of the Marvel universe that you liked and you only paid attention to that section of it. Uh, but anyway, I, I we, we agree with half your points, Joe. Number two is right. I, I kind of think the X-Men would do better and just in the X first. Um, but I also think like it's never going to happen. They're too excited to bring it all together. Um, so it's, you know, it's going to happen. At some I, point, I also Marvel like, movies are just going to be like the main character gets introduced and then they spend the next two hours just cameos. It's going to be like SNL. Like yeah. every episode is just how many cameos of other people can we have in this episode? I also suspect like in our lifetime, Will, which, you know, is getting shorter all the time, um, that like the MCU will end. And like some of these characters might be rebooted as solo characters again. I don't see the MCU going forever. Oh, Kevin Feige just texted me. Um, no. Uh, he is very upset at this. Uh, he he didn't listen to personally. the mailbags part. Uh, he looks, he sent me a kind of a crying emoji. Yeah. He loves emojis. Does Kevin not like me? What do I say to this? <laughs> I do like him. He's just, you're needy, but I like spending time with you. He says you're needy. That's what I sent. Okay. Well, I mean, he probably heard me say it. Um, he didn't even answer. That's bad. Uh-oh. That's not but good. It, and he did read it. It says he read it, but there's no answer. Okay. Well, I'll deal with that after we're done recording, I guess. 
Ugh, he's gonna he's gonna show up my doorstep. Thank gosh I live in L.A. He gets around on that helicopter. <laughs> okay, uh, this is an email from uh, Dan Jelani. Okay, uh, this is uh, uh, in reference to uh, my love of Doug Ramsey. Okay, because I mentioned how I really love Doug Ramsey Cipher from the New Mutants and initially X Men comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, my milksops, Dan starts. Uh, I loved Doug Ramsey. It was a time when there was real variety in mutant powers, and some were simple and cool, like Cypher. His friendship with Kitty is great, and they find cool stuff with him, especially with Warlock. Uh, Warlock, a new mutant character he meets later. Uh, they did Doug dirty, though, and it was one of the first times when I realized that something happened to comics because the writers weren't clever enough to figure out how to use Doug smartly. They literally didn't know what to do with him, so they killed him. That was probably the beginning of me slowly breaking up with Claremont and the X-Mutants. More and more disappointing stuff came to follow it, and it also became more incomprehensible by the issue. Celine, Rachel, Nimrod, sheesh, it went bananas. Which is to say, my first X-Men issue was 107, the fight with the Imperial Guard, and I was hooked. I obsessively followed them and couldn't believe how amazing it was. Dark Phoenix, Days of Future Past, holy cow. As I look back, I think I love Claremont and Byrne, and to a lesser degree, Paul Smith. I love Smith, but he's just not able to rein in Claremont's excess. As Claremont's success grows, I liked it less and less. I enjoyed the Siege Perilous reset for a bit, then it got real bad. Uh, It did get worse still when Claremont left, so credit where credit is due. There are many worse writers than Claremont, even at his worst. Dan. Uh, I think that's an interesting point to like point at Cypher's death as sort of the beginning of the end of the X-Men sort of being this and not simple, I guess, but sort of like, like almost like perfect little book, little utopia. Yeah. Where it's just like, Oh, this is the best thing. And then it just became like another thing in the Marvel universe. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Yeah. I think that's interesting to point to Cypher. I I, I hadn't thought of that, but I, I, I can see it. I was bummed when he died because he was Maybe my favorite character, I really like Cannonball too, but those two are my two favorite in the- uh, Such funny characters to have be your favorites. They're so specific. Who are your two favorite new mutants? Um, Sunspot (laughs) and Warlock. Oh, those make complete sense. I mean, they're all (laughs) random characters. (laughs) There's no like Wolverine- uh, Yeah, I know, I know. In the new mutants. Warlock's definitely my favorite, but I, and it wouldn't be Sunspot, it would be um, Rain, the, the werewolf. Yeah, but I mean, like, Warlock's a weird one, too, right? He's like an alien. A totally weird. Completely virus. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is a spoiler for um, uh, Doctor Strange, but it's on Disney Plus now, so I feel okay reading this. Okay. Uh, Will, what did we think about the Illuminati scene and more specifically seeing Professor X and Reed Richards for about half a second before Wan, Wanda killed them? I'm not going to go into these details in case someone is going to watch it. Um. And I mean, what would and what would Stan Lee's reaction to having seeing that uh, is what David is asking here. Well, I, I loved it. I thought it was really fun. We, you know, they're they're not really in it enough to be much more than a mm-hmm. hey, isn't it cool to see these guys? They're they're you know, yeah. um, because we have a relationship already with Patrick Stewart playing Professor X. His was a little bit more impactful because it kind of invokes previous times we've seen him play that character. Yeah, As Reed Richards. There is. You know, there is no good cinematic history of a Reed Richards portrayal. Um, you heard me, all previous FF movies. So Uh-oh. it was a thrill, Uh-oh. but maybe Kevin kinda... Feige, Kevin Feige did not just text me. He didn't oh, care boy. about that. Um, 
No comments from him. It was, it was thrill, but a shallow thrill. What Stan yeah. Lee would say about it, I he would love it. I mean, the only yeah. thing he ever said about Marvel, I thought it was fantastic to see characters I created up on the screen was a thrill. Like when I thought of everything about those characters, I never imagined they'd be on the screen, and there they were. My only question is, couldn't I get more lines? Yeah, what do you think yeah. I think he, I think Stan Lee would one hundred percent of loved seeing these characters brought to life on the screen together. He doesn't care who wins or loses. I think also Stan gets that like Scarlet Witch won that fight because it's her story. And if it was the Fantastic Four movie, the Fantastic Four would have won, right? That's yeah. the answer to all like, and I think that's a Kurt thing, but he's like, who wins when you the Hulk for, fights the thing? It's like, well, whose comic is it? That's who probably wins. Like that's anyone right. can win. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it's she beats him. I, that's I, I've been rewatching that movie in like 30 minute increments. Um, and I loved the first third, and then this is the third that I'm least interested in. I just find it, it doesn't do anything for me, mm-hmm. but it's not because they die real fast, it's just because like that section just sort of feels well, it just feels it's just the cameos, and it's just to show how powerful she is. It doesn't matter who those characters were, if they were. If it was the Squadron Supreme, I'd have the same reaction. If it was all new characters, I'd feel the same. I just it wouldn't do anything for me. The cameos didn't excite me too much. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was Cipher, you're, you're Cannonball, right. and Power Pack. I mean, he there's no way Scarlet Witch could win that. That's not fair. So <laughs> how do you defeat Mass Master? I just don't see it. I don't see a world where that happens. Um, I mean. Stanley has seen a lot of uh, he, the thing I, and I've mentioned this too, I think in the podcast, one of the things I do love about Stanley is whenever he'd be asked these sort of gotcha questions, I think he almost always gave like the right answer to be like, what do you think about this idea? Like the one I always remember is when people were asked to like, what would, what do you think of Donald Glover played Spider-Man? Cause it like got out that Donald Glover sort of was like, Oh, I'd love to play Spider-Man. They're like, What do you think Stan? He goes, I think it'd be great. He's like, Donald Glover's a super talented actor, super funny, handsome. Yeah. He'd be good at Spider-Man. Like Stanley's no idiot. Uh, and when you hear about like story ideas, like, what do you think of this character? They did this. They killed Captain America. He's like, oh, I remember the time I killed Captain America. He doesn't care. It's a good story. It's a good story. Um, I think like he made fun of Dan Slott for killing Spider-Man at some point, but like, like jokingly. Yeah. Like he loves it. He gets it. I mean, he's the marketer in chief. Uh, uh, we get an email from Ben Y here. This is one we'll be terrible at well. Okay, casting. Uh, I love hearing yep, you guys speculate about the Ditko lead dynamic. I'm curious who you'd cast to Stan and Ditko in a <laughs> biopic. Uh, also, said biopic would obviously be narrated by you two. So, who would play the Heinz Bros in the movie? <laughs> so, you would be in the Ditko Lee movie. <laughs> but we don't get to do it. <laughs> so, wait, why? somebody's playing us. Why would we even be characters in that movie? <laughs> What's our role? <laughs> Are we major parts of it? <laughs> All right. Well, for Steve and Stan, um, that's kind of fun. So, okay, Ditko, who's that guy? David Pamer, like uh, kind of like um, uh, kind of a, you know, Ditko's an introvert. You know, he's got to mm-hmm. be like, he's got to be like a troubled uh, genius. You know, that yeah. that's that's like the vibe you want for Ditko. The misunder, like the a Tesla type. Right. Um, you know, so somebody's kind of awkward and mumbly, but like really good. Um, I, guess right. I, I can't think of who this should be like, 
I, I think like a Hugh Dancy could do uh, Ditko. I was, I was going to say the guy from The Boys, Jack Quaid, but he's too... He's too good looking. He's, he's too, too like, charming. He's he too charming. confident and charming. I have trouble imagining him being awkward and weird. Yeah, I agree. I, I kind of thought of him too, though. He, he does he's got have... the build for it, right? Yes. And he can sort of assume an everyman... Mm-hmm. kind of posture even though he's I mean, like super he, good looking and charming. he could probably do it we've only seen him play like a very charming character i don't know him as an actor but you know who would probably be great as uh the dune kid timothy Tim Tim chamele he'd probably nail it he I know is he's really also good right stunningly handsome but he seems like one of those people who could transform himself yeah like i do think like a young leonardo dicaprio would nail it i was gonna make some kind of sex joke there for a second in terms of uh, uh dicaprio nailing it oh, how about how about um James Urbaniak as Ditko. Um, he played he played <laughs> sure, R. Sure. Crumb in American Splendor. Uh, mm-hmm. um, he's one of the voices in the Venture Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think he'd be good <laughs> as Ditko. He's he's kind I, of like a pleasant he weirdo. Would, he would be. I don't know if he's. I don't know but if he's, he's an A-list enough. actor like the Heinz Brothers who are narrating this movie, but uh, okay. uh, he'd be good. Okay. Yeah, he'd be great. I think he's really fun, and he's definitely got a weird energy that I think would be a Who blast. Who plays Stan though? Like that's kind of, I mean, like Tom Arnold. Like you need somebody. Stan kind is of such a loud. ham. Who could be such a big, big ham? Like just make I don't know John Lovitz. Like who do you pick that's gonna like adopt the weird Stan Lee energy? Yeah. I'm trying to think. Like there's got to be people out there. It's got to be. I mean, like it's you know maybe it's like a Bruce McCullough or something. You know it's. We're probably going too old, right? It's got to be someone yeah. who shakes hands, glad hands, works the room, like, hey, get in here, everybody. Like, kind of like, and here's what I'm doing now. I'm casting it just from the kids in hall because I watched that new kids in hall things. Yeah. But I would do like Bruce McCullough and Mark McKinney. Bruce, I mean, of the, of the and Ma- kids, and Mark, that's great. And Mark as a, a, a Ditko. I mean, it would be so funny. It'd be great. I just think of like uh, Bruce McCullough and Will Ferrell as uh, Woodward and Bernstein and dick yeah here's the oh god they were so funny in that they're so great um here's the worst casting from kids in the hall dave foley as stan lee truly the worst and <laughs> yeah, kevin mcdonald as steve ditko that's not as bad but he's too goofy he wouldn't be able to do it <laughs> i made spider-man <laughs> yeah i don't know stan would be know. fun i mean stan is such a big character uh, we gotta oh, cast yeah. us now oh yeah we have to cast us mm-hmm. young oh, elvis uh, presley and, and george clooney yep that's us and they're both playing both of us. They alternate <laughs> parts in every scene. They true West it. <laughs> in the same Within movie. the movie, yeah. Every yeah, other yeah. scene, they switch. And people are like, wait, which one's Kevin? It's like, it doesn't it matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Why are they in this movie? That <laughs> well, is a good, that's a better question. We don't know. <laughs> Maybe like Will Arnett could be Stanley. He doesn't sound anything like him, but he has that hamminess. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, Will Arnett and James Urbania. That's our choices. We are so bad at this. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's do a couple more real quick ones, okay. uh, or hopefully quick ones. Um, this is from Gavin Knott. It's a he pitches a Thunderbolts movie idea that I think is good. Here's how I think they could do a villainous reveal in a Thunderbolts movie. So remember we talked about this well, how it's like hard to like, yeah, you can't do like a big surprise, mm-hmm. and there aren't like a ton of existing villains that we care about. Anyway, I can think they, how they could do a villainous reveal in the Thunderbolts movie, Bucky. Uh, whose name is in the mix, heads up a team named after the late Thunderbolt Ross. He's brought in with a team already established and has the likes of Abomination, Ghost, maybe U.S. Agent and Taskmaster, and two masked characters. Could be named Citizen V and something else, 
Their first mission goes very poorly, partially because of the two mass members, and Bucky demands they remove their masks. This, of course, reveals Zemo, and because he's out there, uh, and I love a goofy character, Batrock the Leaper. What do you boys think? And I think there's something fun here, the idea of like having sort of a mixed team, but then having somebody, a reveal of one character being more evil than you realize, I think is a way you could get some of the fun of Thunderbolts. I think people would still know this guy's in the movie because you'd see him, you'd know the casting notices. It would get out of the bag. Yeah. So it's just so tough, but. I can't think of any way to do it. That That is a pretty good way. Yeah. It'd be like it, a, a dirty dozen thing, but. They immediately abandon the mission and just try to do evil, but uh, it's not. It's not I mean, I think you just have to give up on the surprise reveal and just play up the some want to be good, some don't, some are manipulating, you know, and have fun some with change it. their mind. Story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and one last email, Will. This is just for you from Bernie. I'll say this is also in the spirit of a lot of the comments I've seen on Twitter and Instagram. Will, you get a lot of questions like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the coverage of Kurt and George. Uh, uh, he's talking about our most recent episode well the avengers okay episode because george perez and kurt uh, busick mm-hmm. uh, i love the mini coverage at the end with the crossover event wolverine versus wolverine will what do you think was going through wolverine's mind when he saw wolverine punching wolverine did it change your perspective of who wolverine is as a wolverine thanks and keep keep up the okay work <laughs> he got you good on that last one yeah, it's really mad magazine sign up <laughs> yeah yeah the regular gang idiots from Bernie there. Um, um, great question. Yeah, I didn't really like the way JLA, the Avengers, portrayed Wolverine because I don't think he would have attacked Wolverine, mm-hmm. at least not in that way. I didn't mind it later when he attacked Wolverine, but the first time he did it, I was like, that felt forced. So maybe if they got rid of the first time Wolverine attacked Wolverine. And I did like when the two big Wolverines were making out full of stars. <laughs> All right. That's what I thought. And, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I would say like every four or five images I post, someone says, looks like Wolverine. I mean, it truly is the dumbest thing I've ever done. And I did it twice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you couldn't stop doing it. I, even when I knew it, my my mouth still wanted to say Wolverine with people who don't look anything like him. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like, I don't know. Does anybody look like him? Like, yeah, I, I, it'd be one thing to like confuse. Like, I don't even like another Canadian superhero with Wolverine or something. Yeah, wild Wildcat maybe confuse it yeah. with Wolverine isn't like as crazy yeah. as you know Nightcrawler and Wolverine. At least yeah. they're on the same team. Yeah, I know. I but, it was, confuse, like, but it was Wolverine. a comic that involved Wolverine. I, it was crazy. Look, I have no defense. <laughs> All right, uh, those are our emails. So if you want to email us about any of the stuff we talked about, if you read Secret Identity. Um, and you think uh, Will's wrong that it's uh, boring and nothing happens in it, mm-hmm. right? And tell us why uh, at screwitcomics at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week for Astro City, the season finale of Talking About Music. Bye, everybody. Screw it, screw it. We're just going to talk about comics.